Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. We're talking healthcare today, May 9th. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and I have the wonderful healthcare writer, Todd Campbell, on the phone with me. Todd, I hope you had some coffee and some breakfast this morning because we have a lot to cover today. We sure do. We got some really interesting M&A news to cover, don't we, Christine? Yeah, actually, a lot of this is directly tied to M&A. We have one big long story uh, to talk about. And then after we take a quick break, we'll talk about two other hopefully shorter stories. So first up, activist investment firm Elliott Management made an all-cash offer to buy Athena Health, which is a software provider for the healthcare industry, for about $7 billion or a $160 per share offering. This news came out on Monday morning, and the stock rose to about $146 per share by the end of the day, which was a nice 16% pop, but notably not quite a pop all the way to that 160 offering level. What's going on here? It's interesting, too, because that's a cash deal. So this is here. Here, I'm handing you money in the pocket. There's no arbitrage risk or anything like that with the, or financing or anything like that to be worried about. Um, Elliott Capital has so much money. They've got $35 billion, and they've been around so long, since 1977. They've got all the resources they need that they can tap into to get this deal done very quickly. Um, but the hitch might be that you know, Jonathan Bush, who's the outspoken CEO of Athena Health, may not want to do a deal. He may not want to sell his company because he's been such a big vocal evangelist for changing um, how we, you know, handle and consume and use our health inf- information about our health. That's really the crux of the issue here is that Athena Health's management team clearly does not get along with Elliott. Uh, Elliott is the largest activist investment firm in the world, meaning as an activist investment firm, they push Athena Health to do certain things. And now when you read this letter of the offering from Elliott to Athena Health, there is so much criticism of the business and of the management team and their decisions. It's actually rather scathing. And of course, it's phrased pretty diplomatically, but you can read between the lines and tell that there is a lot of animosity between the two parties. Yeah, you know, I I pulled out a bunch of different quotes. I'm sure you did too. You know, you're looking at this and, you know, it says that, hey, you know, we believe that Athena Health has great potential and it's very differentiated. And, you know, we've had some constructive quote unquote conversations in the past with them, but then it just goes on to blow it, to just blow them away. I mean, the company's stock price has deeply underperformed all relevant benchmarks for more than five years. This chronic underperformance is driven by Athena Health-specific factors, including poor execution, significant management turnover, inefficient allocation of resources, and the loss of strategic focus. Even companies operating in far less market segments with secular challenges have managed to operate better. Ouch! <laughs> that is such a takedown. So when you look at these criticisms, 
And the question that that sticks out to me is, is Elliot being fair here? Are these valid criticisms? You mentioned the management turnover criticism. That's an interesting one to me because they have had management shakeups within the broader team. But Jonathan Bush, who you already mentioned, he's been the CEO since he founded this company in 1997. And so, it, yes and no to that one. Um, the underperformance, I also, I'm not really sure I'm sold on that criticism. The stock's up 43 over the last year. It's up 78% over the last five years. I don't know exactly what benchmark Elliott was referring to, but if you want to just compare it to uh, the S&P 500, that's an outperformance on both the last year and the last five years. It's also outperformed the healthcare sector ETF. So, without specifics, I'm not really sure if that's a valid one. Yeah, you know, he they rolled out some numbers and they said that um, there was underperformance prior to the news of Elliott coming out and being interested. Obviously, the, the increase... Uh, close that gap a little bit. Um, but it really just, it's what we talk about all the time, Christine, when we're talking about time horizon, right? I mean, if you own a stock for one month and you underperform, how mad should you really be for, for management, right? If you own it for three years or five years, okay, you can start to get a little frustrated, I could see. But anybody who bought Athena Health shares back when they were $20 a share back in 2010, probably isn't too concerned by the fact that Athena Health is trading at like 150 now. Yeah, and so you're right. It's it's interesting to watch this, especially because Elliot has, or at least they claim to have, a pretty long-term vision for this company. That's why they want to take it private. They don't want the company to be so tied to having to report on a quarterly basis and please investors that they would rather execute a long-term strategy privately. But, I mean, as you pointed out, it seems like Athena Health does have that long-term vision. Yeah, this is very weird to me. It's almost like, um, remember when Steve Jobs way back in the day got forced out over, they replaced him with an operational leader at Apple. God, that must have been what, the late 80s or early 90s, something like that. And you you look at some of these cult of personality type leaders and they have these big visions and you say to yourself, well, you know, I kind of like to invest in those kind of leaders, not pan them. Um, and so I think it's it's this is a very interesting situation because it's not like Athena Health is going backwards. You know, revenue was up 13 percent. Now, that's a deceleration from where it was over the course of the last few years, but it's still growing by double digits. And the, the wide open runway that's available to reshape healthcare by improving our access to digital information. Wow. that That is a massive opportunity. And I just I kind of wonder about, you know, whether or not Elliot's being a little disingenuous in this, because, you know, they're saying we don't want to be in the eyes of investors. Well, they're the ones who are criticizing this long term vision that Bush has. Yeah, it's interesting. But if you put it if you put yourself in Elliot's shoes, this kind of makes a lot of sense. They think that the company has a big runway. I mean, you point out the the frustration of our, our healthcare system as it is. And anybody that's been to a doctor's office and has struggled with accessing their medical records or sharing them between different providers, you know that the EHR space, the electronic health record space, is ripe for innovation. So this company is, is working in a really important area. Their margins are great. Their growth is good. Um, and so I can see why Elliot would say, hey, you know what? We'll pay a 27% premium to just have have them completely to ourselves. But also, and here's a really important point, 
if another bidder emerges, Elliott already has a very big stake. They have an 8.9% stake in Athena Health. So if another bidder emerges with an even higher offering, that's another winning scenario for Elliott. So it really seems like this company has positioned themselves to win-win. You know, that's a really interesting point, Christine, because you're right that when typically you like to try and do these kind of take private LBO kind of deals, whatever, um, you know, with a friendly handshake behind closed doors, you don't necessarily take it to the public in the form of a letter. And one of the things that they disclosed in the letter is that they actually tried to approach Athena's board last year to discuss some sort of a go private opportunity. And uh, they came away shunned <laughs> by uh, by break for bringing it up. And they also, in one of the lines of that letter, said that, indicated or suggested at least, that they weren't the only one that's approached Athena Health about mm -hmm. trying to do something. You're right. Maybe this is forcing the issue, trying to spark a bidding war so that Elliot can, can profit from it. Yeah, the exact line is, other parties have also expressed interest. That is clear as day. It sure is. And it'll be very interesting to see if any of those other companies emerge and can convince Jonathan Bush to to do it. Now, I do have a couple. There are a couple of companies that jump to mind that I feel like would be good fits, Christine. OK, let's do some speculating. All right. Well, in the remember that show we did not that long ago that talked about how Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan and Amazon are teaming up to reshape healthcare in America. Mm hmm. Well, they're looking for a leader of that company. So, you know, it would be kind of cool in a way if they were able to convince Jonathan Bush, hey, we want you to lead this entire initiative. You've got this huge vision of how you'd like to reshape uh, healthcare. Um, you know, we'll buy Athena Health and, and we'll go from there. Now, that's a little bit of a long shot, but it would be it would seem to make some sense to me anyways. And I mean, here's here's another reason that I want to add on to that. Jonathan Bush seems like the personality type to be working at a big tech company. I mean, he's this like no holds barred kind of character. I remember at his JP Morgan speech this past January, he started out his entire presentation by pointing out his contribution to the diversity of the conference by not being named Michael, which was a reference to an article that had been published by Stat News over the course of the conference that there were more men named Michael presenting at the conference than women at all presenting. Um, <laughs> Which, like, whether or not you think that joke was in good taste, his speech was super captivating. And so, I, you know, you make the point that he might not be the best operational execution type guy, but he is a visionary. And I, I could see him leading a, a big kind of nebulous initiative like what we were talking about with J.P. Hathazon. <laughs> right. Hathazon. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And then the other company that would seem to make a lot of sense to me, Christine, would be Apple. Okay. You know, I mean, sure. think about fits, this. Fits right? right in with that again, tech. Yeah, I mean, Tim Cook has has made healthcare a priority for Apple, and if you look at the announcement that came out in January, um, the new Apple Health app actually allows you to integrate Athena Health and and uh, I think Epic's participating, and maybe a third one too. I don't know if it's Cerner or not, in being able to bring all of your health records onto the Apple Health app. So, you know, they've already demonstrated kind of a willingness and, and an interest in doing this. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this or not, Christine, but there was some chatter last summer, summer of 2017. Uh, I think it was a, maybe a Citibank analyst 
who came out and floated the balloon that maybe it would be a good idea for Apple to to knock on Athena Health's door. Interesting. It's bold. Cool. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, for the second half of our show, we have a couple of quick updates for you. For those who have been following along with industry-focused healthcare, you know that we covered previously Takeda potentially buying Shire. Um, This is a Japanese pharmaceutical company, Takeda, looking to buy Dublin-based Shire. Uh, We covered it on April 4th, if you missed that episode. And now we have the update that, yeah, this is happening. Yeah, there was a little bit of back and forth here where, you know, Takeda went to um, Shire uh, after they indicated that they might have some interest and Shire rejected one offer and then rejected another offer and then eventually just sent a team of people to Japan to try and see if they could hammer something out. And in the interim, there was this, yeah, was it Allergan, Christine? Another company popped up their head for like a day and a half and said, hey, we might kick the tires too. And maybe that just sort of, you know, when that fell apart, you know, Shire just, their board said, you know what, our best option is to Kata. They've accepted the deal now. It's $62 billion deal. Uh, It creates a company with $30 billion in annual revenue. And it's a very interesting deal because it's creating a company that, you know, really, Christine, could be one of the fastest growing of the big farmers you can invest in uh, worldwide. And it would be big. This would be the world's eighth largest drug maker. Uh, It certainly gives Takeda a lot more international reach, particularly in the U.S. and the EU. About two-thirds of Shire's sales are in the U.S. market, which is an extremely lucrative market. So I can see why Takeda is interested here. It also adds to their gastro and their neurosciences lineup. But shareholders have not been happy about this. And I think a large part of that is because a, it's expensive, and B, they're borrowing money to finance it. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What what that does to their uh, their ratings and their balance sheet is kind of to be determined. But I do want to point out that just today, Moody's actually downgraded Takeda, and they stated that the downgrade was reflective of their previous debt levels, meaning not even with this this news of uh, how they plan on financing an acquisition of Shire, and that they will need to reevaluate if the deal goes through as proposed. So, uh, a lot of interesting stats in that Moody's downgrade. Looking forward to what would actually happen um, when and if it, uh, Takeda does go through with this. And of course, uh, even though we still need to see the shareholders of both companies approve it, it's looking pretty likely that this will close in about early 2019. And just some accounting, Christine, if you happen to be uh, an owner of Shire and you're like, okay, the deal got done and it's worth this many billions, what does that really mean for my shares? Uh, You'll get $33 in cash and then you can either get 0.839 um, shares in the merged company or 1.678 Takeda ADS for every Shire share you own. So you got to decide whether or not you want the cash and then if you want the Takeda shares and the trade in Japan or if they want the ADS um, and kind of go from there. What's interesting, you mentioned it's the eighth biggest biopharma after this deal. I bet you the other, you know, seven before it are probably much more widely owned 
than Takeda. So it will be interesting to see whether or not institutions um, start adding you know, more shares in Takeda if the deal gets done. And then, of course, like you said, we're going to see what happens with the dividend and the ratings, because uh, with a, this much debt level, it, it could be that you're not going to get the, the, the dividend increases that we've recently seen out of the company. That's a great point. Right now, they're paying out a 3.42% dividend, which is pretty needy. And I'm sure there'd be plenty of shareholders that would be upset if they were to end up cutting that. Anyway, last story of the day, we want to update you guys about Portola, which I hope our listeners aren't sick of hearing us talk about this. Um, I was thinking about it earlier today as I knew that we were going to be talking about Portola, and I, I wish we could make a metric that had captured a ratio between the number of minutes that we've spent discussing a stock on this show relative to that stock's market cap, because Portola would be by far the highest. And, and what a crazy ups and downs over the course of the last three years that you and I and, and even prior Michael, <laughs> you know, talking about this company and and what it was doing to try and, and improve upon um, uh, the use of anticoagulants here and worldwide. And, you know, one of the things that that's made that such a roller coaster ride for Portola investors has been um, it's it's factor uh, 10A. Um, uh, anticoagulant reversal agent and DEXA, which uh, had been filed for approval uh, previously and had been rejected, then got refiled for approval and now finally approved. Yes. So last Friday, we got the news that Andexa was finally approved by the FDA after a, a very uh, bumpy road where, honestly, it, it wasn't looking good. I mean, initially, when we were digging into this company before it ever applied um, for approval of Andexa, we thought the numbers looked really good. And when the proposal or the uh, uh, the application was rejected back in August of 2016. It definitely caught me by surprise. Uh, the FDA cited a need for more data demonstrating its ability to reverse factor 10A in, uh, inhibitory activity. Um, they resubmitted that app application last year. But again, in December, we had more bad news when the FDA pushed back its approval decision date to get more time with the data. But finally, sigh of relief. It was finally approved. The stock gained about 25% on the news, so it was a good day for shareholders. Um, and this is a pretty significant approval. Uh, to put some numbers behind it, there are over 100,000 hospital admissions and 2,000 deaths in the United States every month because of bleeding events in patients taking factor 10A inhibitors, which are this new class of blood thinners or anticoagulants that are increasingly being used in place of warfarin to prevent stroke or pulmonary embolism and and venous thromboembolism. And now this is the first ever approved reversal agent. Right. So, it, you know, factor 10A is the work upstream of the in the co coagulation cascade of warfarin, which is a vitamin K uh, oriented inhibitor. Um, and, you know, so th there's less monitoring, less dietary restrictions, and they've been, you know, very well received as a result. And I think that investors should recognize that it's, it's a really large market. I mean, if you look at Eliquis and Soralto, um, the two biggest factor 10 A's that are on the market, their combined sales last year were in excess of $5 billion. Yeah, which kind of leads us to what else is going on with Portola, which is that this is actually their second approval. Their first approval was for their own factor 10A anticoagulant called Bevixa. And that was launched back in January of this year after an approval in the summer of 2017. 
So if you look at the opportunity for this company between Bivixa and now Andexa, to me, I think they're still a buy, even at, at current levels. Like They're still pretty tiny. They're, what, $2.7 billion in market cap? Yeah, and I think you could make an argument that both of these, both of these drugs should generate hundreds of millions of dollars uh, each um, and could potentially at some point end up you know, reaching blockbuster status. Obviously, we'll need to see a couple quarters play out and see, you know, whether or not how widely used and embraced they are. I can't imagine, though, that if you're an ambulatory center, if you're if you're a hospital, you're not going to stock Indexa. I mean, especially given how widespread uh, the use of factor 10 A's are and, and how much of a need there is to reverse bleeding in these in these emergency situations. Um, and then a source from Vexa, I mean, Lovenox is the drug that that one is displacing. They, it, you know, was approved based on trials competing against Lovenox head to head. And that drug at its peak was raking in, I think, $2.5, $2.7 billion a year. So you can make an argument that both of these drugs could be meaningful drugs. And then it raises the question, okay, well, you know, would any other company want to come in and buy Portola? I mean, there's reasons to think that that there'd be um, synergies, if you will, for a company like Bristol-Myers stepping up or Pfizer stepping up, because those are the two companies that make Eliquis, right? And they've also, Christine, you may remember, They've also licensed the rights to sell Indexa in Japan if it ever gets approved there. So, you know, it'd be interesting. It's an interesting story. We wanted to update everybody on it because we've talked so much about it. And there's been so many puts and takes over the years. And we will absolutely continue to update, hopefully not excessively. But whenever there is news, I I bet we'll end up talking about it on this show. All right, Todd, thank you very much for going through all that with me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. The show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Harges. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!